The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Continuing to talk about grace in the marketplace. So as we start, we're going to invite you to hold your Bible, lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Vandah. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So today we are going to be talking about a subtitle in my book, Grace in the Marketplace. And this is, you know, basically going back to God's original intent. Amen. There's so much that has happened. I think almost every major doctrine that God reintroduces to the church by revelation uh, almost ends up being taken to extreme and people make something out of it that God never, you know, meant for it to be. And uh, the sad day is when we just now decide we're going to throw away the baby with the dirty bath water. Amen. Uh, so one of those things is, is prosperity. You know, there's so much uh, that has been taught about prosperity. It's been abused uh, by some people for self-gain. Uh, but how many of you realize that God's a real heart for you and me is to prosper. He says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I have a plan for you. And this plan is not to harm you. But this plan is to actually prosper you and give you a hope and a future. So God's plan for every single one of us in here is to prosper. God wants us to do well. God wants us to prosper. In fact, it's the first thing he ever said to mankind if you read Genesis uh, chapter number 1, verse 26, we could read it in the Message Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26, it says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, uh, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings, he, cre- he created them godlike. Watch what happens, next verse. Reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Open inverted commas. So after God created them, the first thing he did was bless them. And open inverted commas uh, simply means we're getting ready to uh, read what God said. Do you all agree? And and we're about to read the first thing God, the first word God ever said to mankind. And what's that word? Prosper. Prosper. I mean, God could have said rapture. But he said prosper. It's the first thing. Out of all the vocabulary of heaven and all the wisdom of heaven, God decided the first thing is prosper. I want them to prosper. He said reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish. Uh, How many of you know that with with prosperity, God also wants us to be responsible? Man, that's a good revelation right there. Be responsible. Aren't your neighbor said be responsible? He says be responsible for the fish in the sea. The birds in the air and for every living thing that moves 
on the face of the earth. So it's no question that God wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper physically. He wants us to prosper spiritually. That's why he sent Jesus. Amen? It is for your prosperity uh, uh, spiritually. He wants us to prosper in our bodies. You know, uh, uh, that's why he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross is for our healing. He also wants us to prosper uh, financially. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, We know by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was what? Rich. Did you read that? Yeah. It says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was what? Rich. So Jesus Christ was what? Rich. Come on, say it with me. Jesus Christ was? Rich. Some of you, you know, would argue with me to the death that Jesus Christ was rich. But he was rich. How do we know that? Because he looked after 12 grown men for about three and a half years. How many of us up in here can look after 12 grown men for a weekend? <laughs> Let alone three and a half years. Amen. So Jesus Christ was prosperous and he provided for every need, which is the ultimate reason for prosperity. It is to give you the ability, watch this, to meet every need. God blesses you to be a blessing. Someone shout, I am blessed so that I can be a blessing. Amen? The reason why God wants you to have is so that you can bless others. Because poor folk can't help other poor folk. If you're poor and your neighbor can't buy groceries and you also need groceries, how are you going to help them? In fact, I met, uh, when was that, two days ago when we were having our bride? This was really interesting. Uh, you know, they decided they were going to host a bride for me and I decided, you know, I was going to buy something to take to the uh, place because I also want to be a blessing, you know. And when I was there at the shop, I saw a, a lady who uh, grew up in the same neighborhood as me. And she was in the queue. She came and stood behind me. She couldn't recognize me. Uh, you know, she then said, well, you, you're now fat. I don't think it was, it was a nice thing for her to say, you know. <laughs> said, well, I couldn't recognize you because you were fat. But here's what happened. She had a little, you know, a, a, a bunch of uh, vegetables. That's what she was going to buy and, and, and uh, go and have for dinner. And I was standing in the line, and she was right behind me. I grew up with her, straight from my neighborhood. I'm talking about a few doors away from my house, literally doors, because the houses were small. So the next door was another house, amen? And I saw her, and the Lord said to me, why don't you buy her some meat to go with the vegetables? So I said to her, why don't you go and get a tray of meat? I know you don't recognize me yet. You know, go and get a tray of meat. I want to bless you. I want to pay for it. And she went and got the smallest that she could find in the store. And when she came, I said, but why are you getting the smallest? She said, well, just because, you know, this is the one I think can fit your budget. I said, man, you don't know who you're talking to? What you talking about? This fit my budget, man. I want to bless you. Go and get a bigger one. And she said, no, I don't want to get a bigger one. So I said, okay, if you don't want to get a bigger one, that's it. We're going to pay for this. And as we were paying, the lady, uh, the cashier said to me, but how come she gets the small one and you get the big one? And I said, it's not my fault. She chose the small one. And then I said to her, you know what? You may as well go and get, you know, another one to compliment. So she ended up getting about two of them. And guess what? If I was also struggling, I wouldn't have been a blessing to her. Amen. I said, amen. So the reason God blesses you, it is so that you can have means to bless others in the smallest way possible. When you're at pick and pay and some lady in front of you is counting coins to try and put together to pay for groceries, man, something should stir up on the inside of you. 
We call it holy anger. Yeah. Yeah, man, let me take care of that. Amen. In fact, when you go, let me challenge you for this coming week. I like the second service because you guys talk back to me. I get fired up. Amen. I get fired up. You know, and let me challenge you this week. When you go to McDonald's, you know, the drive through this week, pay for your meal and the person behind you. And they're going to ask you why. Just tell them because it's Monday. Because it's Tuesday. Because it's Wednesday. Because I want to. How about that? Amen. How about because Jesus loves them? That's what prosperity is for. It is so that you can be a blessing to someone else. Prosperity is not for taking Instagram pictures. That's a misnomer. You know, with a Gucci belt, it may not even be real most of the time. That's not prosperity. Prosperity is so that we can, you know, be a blessing to others, not just, you know, a show off to others. So the Apostle Paul says something interesting around this prosperity. He said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap how? Sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall also reap how? Bountifully. Uh, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. That's 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. So the Apostle Paul here is using uh, farming, the principles of farming, to talk about giving. And he's saying when you give, what you give you are essentially sowing in the ground, just like a farmer would go into a field and put seed in the ground. And what does a farmer expect at the end of the season after having put seed in the ground? A harvest. And here the Apostle Paul tells us how uh, much of a harvest we can expect. The proportions of a harvest we can expect are explained in this verse based on what we put in the ground. He says if you sow sparingly, you can expect a a sparing harvest. If you uh, sow bountifully, you can expect a bountiful harvest. I like that. You know why? Because I get to determine my harvest. Nobody else. Not the dog, not the hog, or the cat or the frog. I get to determine my own harvest by my sowing. Now the question is, what's a bountiful harvest? Uh, uh, seed. What's a sparing seed? I'll put it to you this way. If it costs something or if it has a meaningful, I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. If it has a meaningful, viable option to you, then it's a bountiful seed. What I mean by that is what you are giving away if you could have used it uh, for a meaningful, uh, viable option. In other words, what I'm giving away, if I could have gotten myself another pair of J's. For the older section of the church, J's are Jordans. And they are tennis shoes. Amen? So if I give it away to you, it's a viable option. Do you see that? When the widow gave away her last meal, there was a viable option for me and my children to eat this. So it was a bountiful seed. If it does not have a viable option, it's not a bountiful seed. Can we use that as a barometer? Amen? See, because when you're giving stuff away, you should just not give uh, whatever is left over. You know, you should actually think about it. The Bible says, let every man purpose in his heart what they're going to give. Amen? Not grudgingly, without complaining, or of necessity, because someone has to give. No. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Man, if you're going to give to God, you better do it with a smile on your face. If you're going to give it to someone, you better do it dancing. 
Amen? Amen. Remember in Psalm 51, God did not have a problem with the sacrifices and the offerings they were bringing to him. He had a problem with their attitude. And he said to him, hey, wait a minute, let me tell you something. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and all the gold is mine, says the Lord. So don't act like, you know, I rejoice in the offerings and the sacrifices. It's not that. It's the heart that God is looking for. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we must do it cheerfully. We must do it dancing. And what happens after that? Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. This is the definition of prosperity. All grace abounding towards you. That you always having. Someone say always having. There's a thing in the kingdom of God called always having. Did you read that? It says always having all sufficiency in all things. What that means is uh, always paying your debts. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. (laughs) How many of you realize that it doesn't glorify God when you don't answer your phone? Okay, moving right along. It doesn't glorify God when you have to change your number. Thank you, Jesus. That's why he gave us this grace. Always having, watch this, all sufficiency, how many? In all things. May abound unto every good work. Let's read it in the New Living Translation. I bet you it's good. It's very good. Very good. Verse 8. Verse 9, actually. Verse 8 in the New Living Translation. And God will generously provide all you need. Who gets to provide all you need? God. Notice he didn't say your job. God may use your job as the channel by which he does it, but your job is not your source. God is your source. Amen? So don't despair when you lose your job or you lose your contract or whatever if you still have God. Because when you still have God, you have your source. And God will open up another channel to provide for you. Amen? Don't kill yourself. Don't, don't, you know, cut yourself because you lost something in the natural. As long as you have God, you can still get it back. So God will provide all you need. And then, someone say then. This is where we should land. You know, when you're flying to Atlanta or to New York or wherever to London... Uh, the destination is where you're flying to, right? It is London, it is New York, it is wherever you're going. But during the journey, sometimes they get to give you food, they give you entertainment, you know, in-flight entertainment. Some of the flights these days give you Wi-Fi. But how many of you realize that that's not the objective of getting on the plane? (laughs) So having all sufficiency in all things is great, but that's not the objective of prosperity. Now we are getting ready to read the real objective of prosperity. It's not about you. Some of you may get discouraged by this, but man, this is a blessing. It's not about you. It says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and some scraps left over to share with others. Okay, let me try one more time. Then you will always have everything you need and some crumbs to left, left over to share with others. No, you didn't say that. He says, then you will have everything you need and what? Plenty. I didn't hear that. Plenty. Notice the 
word plenty is on the other's side of the ledger. It's not, it's not on the self side of the ledger. The word plenty is as it relates to being a blessing to others. Amen? He says you'll have plenty left over. So the mindset that says, you know, whatever crumbs I'm left over, that's what I'm going to do giving with. It's a completely corrupt mindset, and it's not the true depiction of the godly kind of prosperity. Can I get an amen? Uh, who was it? Bill Gates? I think he's given over $80 billion. I think that may be a definition of plenty on the side of others. These people called philanthropies, you know, they have plenty for others, and here's the deal. While I'm preaching this, I want you to position yourself for this verse, the first part and the second part. Don't just position yourself on the last two words of this verse. Pastor, I'll be, I'll be the others. <laughs> and that's what happens. When I preach that prosperity so you can be a blessing to others, it's amazing how many people say, yeah, so I'll be others. I'll be others. <laughs> so you can share with me. Man, that's a greedy Thinking attitude. It's an attitude to take. It's an attitude to just uh, hoard. And, and to a certain degree, that's the real problem with our continent of Africa. The, the problem is not the real wealth. I mean, we have all the minerals. We have everything that we need. The problem is just a mentality that says, you know what? Someone from America will fly, a savior, will fly and give to me. One million out of the blue, and then, yeah, you know, I'm going to be this big boss, yeah. No, 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 no. God wants you to be positioned for the first part of the verse. The first part is for you to position yourself for God to generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need, and watch this, plenty over to pay someone else's school fees. Plenty left over to buy someone else's groceries. But how many of you know that we can't get to that place if we don't start thinking that way. Man, you, st- you need to position yourself to be a blessing to others right where you are. And start with the little that you have. When you get a harvest at the end of the month, a part of that should go towards your giving account. You may not have a real physical account where you, you know, transfer money to, but a portion of it should go towards helping others. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you start right where you are, and as you do that, as you can handle the little, in terms of the real definition of prosperity, God will be able to trust you with much. And watch what he says right after that. Man, this is awesome. Verse 9, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered for how long? Forever. We said last week that you can't take money with you to heaven but you can send it ahead of you. Amen? Amen. You can send it by way of transformed lives. You can send it by way of uh, sending missionaries to preach the gospel. Amen? Amen? It says in verse 10, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. I mean, it goes back to seed. Did you see that? So God will always provide the seed. And the reason why God provides the seed is because God wants you to have a secure future. You know, I love to eat avocados, and I was saying in the first service, I've never understood the logic of putting that little brown thing in the middle of the fruit. 
in an avocado. And I've always wondered, because no one eats that. So my question when I was younger was, why are you inconveniencing me by putting this little brown, because the whole thing could have been an avocado, and I'll just peel the outside and just, you know, just eat the whole thing. But God almost put that little brown thing in the middle. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The little brown thing in the middle? How many of you eat that? Nobody eats that. And so the question is, what's the logic of putting the little brown thing in the avocado and nobody eats it? See it? Because God just doesn't want you to have avocados for a day. It would be good if God could provide avocados for a day. But beyond that, God wants you to have seed so that you can put it in the ground and have avocados for generations. Not just for generations, but for the entire community and for some, for the nations. And some for the world. And how does God give you all of that at once? He puts it in seed. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 1 verse 29. Man, this is good. And let me tell you something else. Seed technology only belongs to God. Man, with all our ingenuity and creativity, there's only one thing we were never able to create, is seed. Man cannot create seed. But seed is real. Amen? In fact, the Bible says in uh, Genesis 8.22, it says, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will not seed. In other words, there's always going to be a cycle of seed, time, and harvest. It's a principle, and beyond that, it's a law, just like gravity. As long as we're in the earth, there's going to be gravity. Just like as long as we're in the earth, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest. And he gave it to us so that we could cooperate with it and work to our advantage. Seed, time, and harvest is not to be grievous. There's no farmer in the world that complains while it's Uh, uh, planting time. They don't complain. They love it. In fact, my parents are, you know, what I like to go, wannabe farmers. You know, they're older. They still like to farm and so on and so forth. And man, when it's uh, uh, September, uh, close to uh, October, rainy season, they don't even have to wait until it, you know, the rainy season is full on. Uh, If it drizzles, just a little drizzle, man, they're already out putting seed in the ground. They're looking forward to the day they can put seed in the ground. Just like you should look forward to the day you get to a blessing to somebody else. It's a great day when I have plenty left over to give to somebody else. It's a great day. It means I'm a blessed man. Amen? Amen. And it says here in Genesis 1.29, after God had finished creating man, God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields what? Seed, which is on the face of the earth. God is saying seed. That word S-double-E, you see that? Uh, He's not talking about perceive with your optical uh, eyes. He's saying uh, 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 understand, take note, take note. Take note that every herb I've given you also has seed. What that means is you can multiply the herbs. And he said to him, uh, which is on the face of the earth, every tree whose fruit yields what? He's saying in every fruit I give you, there's also a seed element. When you put it in the ground, you can secure a future of fruitfulness. Man, if you want to have a future of harvest, you need to understand that this technology works with seed. And a portion of the harvest in the natural, of the orchard, should be dedicated to seed. A portion of your harvest, uh, if you're a maize farmer, 
you know, a portion of it is dedicated to seed for the next season. Just like a portion of your harvest financially should be dedicated to seed. Amen? Man, you should be strategic about this, just like a farmer is. You can't be nonchalant about it. Yeah, I remember when I was growing up and I didn't understand these principles, then I would go with my friends to the club, and then we would go to the church the next day. Don't look at me like none of you ever went to the club and the church the next day. Like, Pastor, who does that? I went out, you know, I was, I was trying. I was still on my journey, amen? And I am still on my journey, but I don't go to the club. Okay. And I'd go the next day to church, and, you know, when the offering basket would come, I'd just dip my hand in my pocket, whatever I could find. I could find in the pocket uh, a change with the receipts. Pass the kavasie in the pocket. I just put it in the offering. That's just nonchalant. There's no strategy in that planting. How many of you know that I can also expect a nonchalant harvest? Just haphazard. But when you become strategic about your planting, you know, I started listening to men of God who would say, uh, right now we give about 20% of everything that comes in, and I'm like, I wonder how they came to 25%. You know how they came to 25%? They actually thought about it. It's something they actually thought about. If you don't know the percentage of your harvest is going back to seed, maybe you need to sit down and actually think about it. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm trying to help you, man. I really am trying to help you. And when you do that, you can expect a harvest. Amen? So seed represents potential to secure your future. If you're writing down notes, you can write that down. Let us go now to uh, Philippians chapter number 1. We're going to read from verse 4 to 5. One of the things you can do in sowing is to partner with someone who's preaching the gospel, a missionary, a church, uh, a TV ministry. Uh, in our day, in 2019, partner with someone who's preaching the gospel. Amen? Amen. Do you have someone who's preaching the gospel you believe in? Outside of me, I know you already believe in me. Amen. Do you have anybody else you listen to that's outside of, of me that you would love for your husband to hear? And all the women say it. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's how you get that person to actually reach the world. Is you partner with them. You enable them to keep doing what they're doing in terms of preaching the gospel. Can I get an amen? And that's what the Bible calls partnership. It's not a fundraising method. It's a spiritual truth. Amen? And it says in Philippians 1, from verse 4 to 5, I pray for you always in... In my prayer of mine, making mention of you and making requests with joy. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That word fellowship is in the Greek kononia, which means partnership. So the Apostle Paul is saying, I pray for the church at Philippi, and I pray for their partnership in the preaching of the gospel. So what the church at Philippi did is that they partnered with the Apostle Paul, uh, in, in, in terms of preaching the gospel to the world. And they partnered in prayer. They partnered in uh, fellowship. They also partnered in sending him uh, the necessary resources that he needed uh, for him to be able. In fact, at that time, he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul lived as a house prisoner in a rented house. I wonder who paid rent for that house. It was the partners. 
They were enabling Paul to be able to do what he needed to do in terms of writing letters to the churches and preaching the gospel. Such a powerful revelation of grace that we still read even up to today. Amen? And here the apostle Paul says they partnered with him, the church at Philippi. And if you read in chapter number 4, verse 15, he explains furthermore what this looks like, what this means. And he says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated, that word communicated is the Greek word kononia, which means partnership. No church partnered with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Which is a sad story. I mean, all the other churches should have partnered. How many of you believe that? Should have sent Paul to many more places. So more people could hear him. But it's a sad story that only one church partnered with him. You know, the church at Philippi. I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of that church that partnered with Paul. Amen? But watch what he says in the Amplified Bible. This same verse. Powerful. What he said in the Amplified Bible. And you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church assembly entered into what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, preach with me. There's no church entered into partnership with me and opened up a what? Debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you only. So here's what partnership looks like. It looks like opening up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving. There's a law in accounting called the law of double entry. And this law simply says, for every credit, there is a debit. And here's what it looks like in the kingdom of God. For every credit, God gives it back to you on the debit side, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and those books balance. Amen. That's right. There's always greater on the debit side. Amen? Debit the receiver. Why? Because God is not trying to take it away from you. He's trying to get it to you. But he wants to make sure that when he gets it to you, it does not get to your heart. Because people go crazy when they start prospering financially. No, we've seen it everywhere. We've seen it in our country. We've seen it on social media. You see it on the internet. Man, someone was living a really quiet life. They were doing really well with their average job and their average income until they won the lotto. The day they won the lotto, they went crazy. They left their wives. They got on drugs. What happened? How come they didn't do that when they were... They didn't learn how to put money in its place when they still had little. And this is why we should teach about finances in the church. A lot of people get on me for saying, why you got to teach people about money in the church? Because that's the biggest trouble causer in the church. People who don't know how to handle money. In fact, there was a website they caught, uh, they, they exposed people who were on this website uh, a few years ago in South Africa. Remember the story? It was in a website in Canada that encouraged married people to cheat on their wives. So you could sign up on this website as a married person. All kinds of married people would get on this website 
I don't remember the name, and then it was exposed. That whole thing was exposed, and one company in South Africa, they found out that that company, because they can trace things with the, with the IP address, they found out that that company, that people spent close to 20 million rand on that website. Now you see why I should teach about money? So you know what to use money for. So that when God blesses you with more, it doesn't come to your heart and start talking to you in your head. You still make decisions by the Holy Spirit and not by how much money you have in your account. And that threshold keeps growing. You know, for me, I know right now, if I had 10 million rand, I'd still come to church. (laughs) But I'm not sure what happens at 100. I'm still working on it. Amen? I'm still working on it. That threshold keeps growing, but as you are faithful with the little, as you start training yourself where you are today, what happens is when God starts promoting you and bringing more resources to your influence, it will not go straight to your head. It will stay under your control and under your authority. And that's where God wants this money to stay. Amen? What verse are we reading? Now, watch what he said uh, right after that to this group of people uh, who, you know, partnered with him and knew how to handle money, opened a debit and credit account. Watch what he says to them in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you send me contributions for my needs. Not only once. Someone say not only once. The reason he's saying that is because this is not a jackpot lotto system. This is a lifestyle. What I'm preaching to you today is a a way of life. You ought to be a generous person in life. Watch this in general. You know, be one of those people. Don't be a crocodile guy. You know, we went out for for, for lunch with uh, one of my friends. Uh, He used to come to this church, Michael. Uh, you worked at the American Embassy, so we went and we went to eat, and you know we were eating. A few of us went out to eat. I think about 15 of us went out to eat. It was from our life group, and at the end of uh, lunch, he said, yeah, "Pastor T, give me the bill. I'll take the bill." I said, "No, you can't, man. I need to take." He says, "No, I'll take the bill. I'm, I'm not the crocodile guy." So I said to him, "I said, what's the crocodile guy?" He said, "The crocodile guy is the guy who, when the food it's eating time, their mouth is long and it snap, snap, snap everything. It snap, snap, snap." But when the bill comes, they sit up straight and their hands all of a sudden get short. (laughs) The crocodile guy says, oh, I don't have my wallet. Cover me today. (laughs) And they always say, they they always want to be covered. And what he's saying is, be generous, watch this, everywhere you go. Just to have a demeanor of generosity. Wherever you go, just, just be a generous person. We're not preaching a slot machine mentality where a preacher comes on TV and says, the anointing is ready right now. It's ripe for the next one hour. You need to send 1,000 rand and look in the camera. Send 1,000 rand. If you send it in the next hour, you will get 100,000. And then you want to play that lotto. Man, that's just dumb. Amen? What you should do is just become... A generous person, watch this, is a way of life. Be generous to your, to your wife, to your family. Be generous to your kids. Your kids should know you as a generous person. Your kids can tell. Your kids can tell if you're generous or not. Amen? Now watch what he says to this church. Next verse. Not that I am eager for your gift. 
The Apostle Paul is saying, man, that's not what motivates me. And it's the same thing we're talking about today. We're not motivated by the gift or by the offering or the tithe that you bring to this church. That's the least of our motivation. Here's our motivation. We do seek and we are eager for the fruit which increases to your credit the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. How does this harvest of blessing start accumulating to your account? When your heart is positioned in the right place. And I, I don't know if I can, you know, support this with scripture, but for some of you, it may be a blessing that you don't have much means right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, because if more influence comes your way, remember, if you are not faithful with a little, man, you can't handle much. And it may be a blessing that, you know, there's not much going on right now. It may be a blessing. Amen. The fruit that we are bound to your account, and God wants to get it to you. All you got to do is move your heart in the right place. Now watch what he says in verse 18. But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied, not that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send me. They are the fragrant order of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes in his delight. So even God gets excited when we become generous. Amen. I said, amen. Now watch what he said to this group of people. You cannot just come from Matlatini and read verse 19 <laughs> without context. And my God shall supply my need. No, no, no. We started reading on verse 15. It's a paragraph. When the Apostle Paul wrote the letter, he didn't say, you know, I am eager for your gift. 15. No, the, 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 the verses were put by the translators to help us for referencing. But this whole thing was written as a letter, just a paragraph. It's lumped up. So you can't just take one sentence from a letter and want to you know, form a doctrine and ultimately a church around it. That's not how it works. It's a paragraph. And he said a part of that paragraph, and my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So this is God's heart for you. He wants to liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according, no, watch this, not to the economy of South Africa. Not, to, not according to your salary. See, you've been limiting God. Not according to, you know, how much your business can bring in. No, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There are some things that God will just supernaturally bring to you, things that you haven't earned. And watch this, things that you won't have to pay for. And that's God's heart for you. I remember when, you know, my wife and I were at the pastor's retreat in uh, June, two months ago in... Uh, Colorado, and we decided we were going to spend some time in Los Angeles, and when we decided, you know, to go to Los Angeles, we uh, got a call, you know, from one of our friends, and they said, oh, no, uh, actually, my mom-in-law is not going to be in town on that particular weekend, and she listens to your sermons, and we also listen to your sermons, and, you know, we became kind of like friends, and we are friends now, uh, and they said, you know what, because of that, she would like to offer a house for you, 
so that you can stay in, in Los Angeles. You don't have to pay any, anything for that. And, and I believe it was just God supernaturally providing for us. Unfortunately, we had already booked a different place, but God was just lavishly providing for us. And you just get random calls of people, watch this, wanting to bless you with some really cool things. And because we couldn't stay at the house, they still decided they were going to bless us with a car to use. And it just so happened that the car cost twice the one that I used back home. So I probably, if I was getting myself my car based on my budget, I probably would not have gone for that one. Let's put it that way. It was a drop-top thing, man. You press a button, that whole thing comes down. You got, you got, uh, you know, the wind blowing your hair everywhere. Your hair everywhere, man. I mean, that whole thing is just beautiful. I'd never, I, to be honest with you, I'd never been in a car that nice in my life. And someone blessed it to us for free, and I believe that's God's heart for us. It is to just liberally supply, just pro- lavishly provide for us. But we have to move our hearts in the kingdom and away from stuff. It is not about stuff. It's always about people. God does not care about stuff. In fact, he's going to burn all of it in the end. How many of you know that? You read the end of the story? He's going to burn all of it. God doesn't care about stuff. He's going to burn all of it. But you know who God really cares for? People. Your neighbor. You visited me when I was in prison. Did Jesus say that? You fed me when I was hungry. And you didn't feed Jesus in heaven. You fed someone else. You fed your brother. You visited your brother when they were in prison, and you ministered the gospel to them. That's what prosperity is about. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand? Did that help you? So don't shy away from prosperity. It's a good thing to prosper so that you can be a blessing. Amen? Someone shout, I am a blessing to my family, to those around me. God has amply supplied for all my needs according to his riches in glory. Therefore, all my needs are met and I have plenty left over to give away to the preaching of the gospel. To those in need, to those who may not have means, I have plenty left over to give away to the nations of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember last week we read about Abraham. He had about 318 soldiers who were all trained in his house. And because of that, he was able to be a blessing to his nephew Lot and to the king of Sodom, to the king of Gomorrah, when they lost everything, to the Chadolians. And he was able to recover everything because he had a strong army. God blessed him to employ 318 people and their families. He was looking after them. Your business has to extend Beyond you and your needs. Man, you are employing people that have families, that have to pay school fees and buy food and feed them. And because of that, God is going to bless you with more. It's not just about you. God is not cheap, though. He's not a cheapskate. He's going to look after you real good. 
He's going to give you some really good stuff. Drop tops and all. God does not mind you having good stuff. But beyond just you, God is going to use you to become a blessing to your community. Someone shout, I am a blessing (coughs) to my community. I am a blessing to this city. I am a blessing to this nation of South Africa. I am a blessing to the continent of Africa. Man, future generations will speak about you and say there was a man, there was a woman, and we all want to be associated with them because they did good for others. No one has ever made an impact by consumption. Consumption is great. You need to eat. We know that. But you make a great impact by sacrifice for others. Can I get an amen? And that's where God is taking us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these, your children. Lord, I thank you that as they go out into the marketplace, you have empowered them with your grace. But beyond that, Lord, you have empowered them with a heart for the kingdom, a heart for others, a heart for their city, a heart for their community. Lord, I thank you that right now you are supernaturally blessing them with creativity, unparalleled creativity, witty inventions and creative ideas and wisdom like no other. Even as Daniel operated in a wisdom that was 10 times greater than his peers. Lord, I thank you that you are supernaturally blessing these, your children, with the same. Lord, I thank you that they will not lack solutions for every problem in the marketplace. Lord, we thank you that as they go, they have the Holy Spirit who will abide on the inside of them and show them things to come. Lord, I thank you that they are not followers. They are not copycats, but Father, that they are market leaders. They are pioneers under the sound of my voice. Men and women that will come up with new ideas. Men and women that will come up with new solutions that have not been seen before. I declare right now that their days of following are over with. I declare right now that their days of being broke and just struggling and not being able to help somebody else are over. In the name of Jesus. Lord, right now we are promoting them. I declare a promotion. They are blessed, 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 blessed to be a blessing. Lord, I thank you that it is so. Just like the church at Philippi, as they partner with the preaching of the gospel, I declare that all of their needs are met according to the economy of heaven. Not according to the South African rand. No, according to the economy of heaven. Father, we thank you that there are no shortages in glory. You have made a planet That rains diamonds all the time as a sign to us that the economy of heaven never runs out. Amply supply. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone said amen. Amen. Someone shout, I'll never be broke broke. another day in my life. life. Because I want to be a blessing to somebody else. 
And I'm challenging you. This week, in fact, let me give you a challenge. This week, do something for somebody else. Buy lunch for a work colleague. Do something. Do something that is out of character. In fact, you're stepping into character. It's out of character for the old man. It's right within the character for the new man. Do something for some. Just random. Do something. And start making it a, a part of your life. To do something nice for people around you. Be the one that wants to take them out for lunch and pull out your card first. You know why? Because you are connected to heaven. You're not connected to your bank account. Start thinking that way. In fact, giving is a sermon to you. Whenever you give, God is trying to get you to preach to you. Because the number one reason why people don't give is not because they're just stingy and greedy. The number one reason people don't give is they think they don't have. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The number one reason why people give is they think they have more than enough. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want you to start operating as a man who thinks you have everything you need. Oh, my needs are taken care of. Man, I'm good. Start operating as a man that says, I am good. And as you do that, it's going to shift everything that's going to happen around you. Amen? Did that bless you? We're going to pray for you and release you. Father, we thank you for these, your children. Lord, we release them as they go into this new week. Father, we thank you that this is going to be the best week ever yet in this month, in this year. Lord, we thank you that it's going to be the best week ever yet because the week after will even be better. And the one after will even be better. We move from one level of glory into the next. This thing is supposed to get better. And so, Lord, as we release them into the marketplace, we commission them with a grace, an anointing to win, an anointing to prosper, an anointing to do well and change people's lives. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone shout, Amen. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.